Welcome to the week six preview, chiefly football. Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. So ready for this. In fact, the biggest excitement as we are just coming on to air, Le'Veon Bell, officially Kansas City Chief, as long as he passes his physical. Very excited to have him join the team. Can't wait to have him and CEH come out of the backfield. Very, very excited to have another Super Bowl as well in our pocket this year. And we'll yeah. talk more about that when we discuss the Chiefs in, in length. Uh, but right now, we're going to just kind of give you an idea of the rundown. We have three segments for you today. First is just going to be the NFL in general. Second will be just a brief wrap-up of the Chiefs-Raiders game. And then our focus in segment three is going to be totally on the upcoming game, Monday night, Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. So let's get started. Segment one, just general overall NFL news, injuries, stories that caught our attention from last week's games. Let's kick it off. Kinlock, was there anything in that? What caught your attention this past week? Well, I think the biggest thing for me this week was the Atlanta Falcons firing their head coach, Dan Quinn, and GM Thomas Dimitrov after a few years now of troubling a play from their from their team after blowing that 28 to 3 lead in the in the Super Bowl a few years back to the Patriots. I'm kind of interested to see what happens with with the Falcons. They still have still have a lot of talent on their offense on their offensive side. The way that their team's been playing blowing leads again this year and their defense not playing well at all. It uh, looks like they're they're headed for a reboot. And that was a pretty quick fall from Grace reaching the Super Bowl to starting this season 0 and 5 and we've just kind of seen that that trajectory moving down, as you noted, since since that collapse in the Super Bowl, seems that they've just never recovered, and new leadership is definitely needed there in Atlanta. You know, I think one of the other just brief stories that caught my attention is, and if the listeners had heard this, Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, was whining that the Bengals kicked a field goal in the closing seconds of their game to avoid being shut out. Evidently, ESPN somehow pulled the most worthless stat. Well, actually, they pulled a lot of stats that just seem worthless. But evidently, only five teams since 1970 have kicked field goals in the waning moments to avoid being shut out. I had two questions. How many other teams opted not to, and what kind of loser coach did they have? Secondly is, if Martindale is complaining that the Bengals needed to quit so that his defense could get a shutout, doesn't that mean defense didn't deserve the shutout? Isn't that the whole idea of, of a shutout, is that your defense shuts them out? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons as far as why teams never kick field goals. I think it's like a pride thing where kind of probably what Martindale was hinting at was like, you guys mostly got shut out. And it was basically <laughs> just like, <laughs> it was just, just cheap points, basically. You know, you're waving, you're waving the white flag and trying to score a touchdown and like put a respectable score on the board. And you're kind of just, <laughs> just trying to. I don't know. It's just an act of desperation just not to be totally embarrassed. But don't we see that in games where somebody gets the ball and they're they're out of the game and they're still they're still rushing down the field to try to put points on the board. I mean, how often do you see, you know, the the trash touchdowns at the end of a game? 
Yeah, yeah, you see it a lot. And if I had anybody on the Bengals fantasy team, then I would have wanted them to do that. But uh, I don't. <laughs> Not a surprise. Um, no one has any of the Bengals. I actually have Tyler Boyd, but he was on the bench. Yeah, and and I think just defenses obviously want – they love to get that, that shutout. And when they feel like it was kind of stolen from them by a team just kind of quitting on the game, I think it – or maybe, maybe just the like Ravens, an integrity thing. Like maybe the Ravens defense shouldn't allow them to drive into field goal range and actually earn the shutout. I mean, garbage points in general to me that are just that like they're garbage defenses are playing prevent defense for in the fourth quarter. So they're not really trying that hard. So anything that the offense gets to me, so, aren't really, So if they're not trying that hard, then they're conceding the points. Anything else? Josh Norman, Getting the getting the soul stiffed armed out of him was fantastic to see. I don't know if you saw, but ESPN posted the Derrick Henry's highlights from from high school. He's been doing it since he was a wee lad, and I, I saw I saw his stat line from high school, and I was just like, "How is this kid? How is this guy not the number one recruit ever of all time?" Because he was he went crazy. I think I think he had like I don't think he rushed for under a hundred yards in any of his games ever in high school. It was crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, he's like 6'3", I don't know, like 235. Like, he's huge, even for a running back in the NFL. Like, he's big. And so and so in high school, I'm sure he was towering over people. He played college in Alabama and won the Heisman. He was just destroying SEC defenses. And you see he's still doing it in the NFL. But, I don't know, Josh Norman probably isn't the greatest defensive back to uh, to have tackling him. So it was bound to happen. But, I mean, he embarrassed Josh Norman this game. Last year it was Earl Thomas. <laughs> So man, I just love seeing see do that to people as long as it's not the Chiefs. Yeah, well he'll be he'll be reminded of it for the rest of the year. So he's probably just hoping that it happens to someone this he's probably hoping it happens to someone soon. The one thing though, I'll have to give Norman credit. If you watch the footage, he came in, he was running downhill, came in to make the tackle. He tackled him way too high. Super high. But there's not a lot of defensive backs who are going to make that decision. They'll often make what Dion referred to as the career decision and let him run around him. Yeah, just like AJ Green on the Joe Burrow interception. <laughs> just like <laughs> running away from the tackle. <laughs> yeah, he had a good reason. He's getting hurt just just walking down the sidewalk every day. So Yeah, I mean he still got hurt, so it didn't really make a difference. <laughs> All right. Speaking of getting hurt, let's just touch base on notable injuries as of Thursday. Odell Beckham went home. With an illness, the NFL guru doctor had noted players will be held out even with flu-like symptoms from game. So not necessarily do they only have to test positive for COVID, but if they have flu-like symptoms, they will be held out of game. In addition, Baker Mayfeld was limited in practice. Jarvis Landry missed his second day of practice. Kareem Hunt was limited in practice. You had all the playmakers of the Browns pretty much dinged up. A few other ones, Clowney, Dalvin Cook was out of practice. Chiefs side, obviously, Sammy Watkins out hamstring. He's expected to miss several weeks. Osamelli is out. It hasn't been fully reported that for the for the rest of the season, but knowing that he had tendons damage in both knees, it's just a matter of time to make that official. Stefan Gilmore has been removed from the COVID list, so he's back. Cam Newton. Patriots yeah. are all back. Leighton Vander Esch is back with the Cowboys, so I'm sure they're excited to get their young linebacker back in action. Yeah, that's big. Let's see. Down in Tampa, Mike Evans was limited in Thursday. Uh, Chris Goodwin 
Gronkowski, Fournette, Boy, Jason Paul Pierre. All all of their young players. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that injury bug has already hit early this season. So it really is going to be a battle of attrition, which it often does in the NFL. But this year, depth is really going to play factor. And I think as, as we talk Kansas City Chiefs, Brett Veach has done a real nice job of creating high-quality depth. And that will end segment one. We're going to roll on over to our second segment. Welcome to segment two of Chiefly Football. We're going to make this quick. Final thoughts as we've had some time to contemplate. Chiefs-Raiders game, the surprising upset of John Gruden and the Las Vegas Raiders at Arrowhead. 13-point underdog, put up 40. Hinlock, any last thoughts? Yeah, well, I went back and watched the game. One of my big takeaways was that even five days later, it still sucks that we lost <laughs> to the Raiders. <laughs> I thought we agreed we were never we were... going to talk about it after again. <laughs> that was astute analysis there. Yes, yes, that was that was my emotional reaction. <laughs> Rewatching the game, I don't. I mean, you guys talked about it a lot on on Tuesday's podcast, and I guess my takeaways are are basically the same. It was just. Uh, the Chiefs beat themselves. If I mean, they just gave up two or three big plays that are kind of uncharacteristic for them. They had some big plays themselves that got called back from penalties. When you're a team that has basically dominated on, I mean, I mean, dominated games because of big plays from being really effective on third and long. You know, sometimes games like these are are bound to happen because what the Chiefs have been doing on offense, you know, being so effective on third down and and being so effective on third and long and having all of these big plays. It's just, it's so hard to to replicate week after week. And so I think it was just kind of a perfect storm where the Chiefs weren't able to execute as as well as they usually do. The Raiders just gave the Chiefs their best shot and were able to to execute on on the plays that they came up with. I also think that we kind of talked about it in the, the previous podcast when we saw how kind of the Chargers play the Chiefs, the Patriots play the Chiefs, and they, they both had the most success so far defensively against the Chiefs. And, and what both of them did was just focus on coverage. Now the Chargers were able to do a, a much better pass rush just because their their pass rush their pass rushers are so much better. Um, but the Patriots and the Raiders they both for the most part just when they were when they were effective, which was for the Raiders game it was the second half. They were just rushing three, and then they had one of their linemen as a as a spy. And that's very similar to what the Patriots did. So we were kind of wondering if other teams would be able to replicate what the Patriots did. And I know there was some some skepticism even on this podcast of other teams being able to replicate that and so i but i just think that it's simple enough in that you're only rushing three you have so many people in coverage in zone coverage where you're just covering up every part of the field you're giving Mahomes nowhere to go and so normally when that happens he's able to escape from the pocket and make stuff make things happen with his legs but those that wasn't available because the spy was there so I'm curious to see what Mahomes and, and Reed have to kind of combat that because I, I expect that teams moving forward will try to replicate that on defense and the Chiefs are going to have to be ready for it. Yeah, and I, w- I would agree that definitely what, what the Patriots and Chargers and Raiders have done have, have been more effective against us than you know anything else that's been tried against Patty. Like you said earlier, I think what really killed us was, was ourselves, especially penalties. 
Uh, we had 10 penalties that accounted for, for 94 yards, and that's not including the, the yards that were negated from those penalties. So like the 65-yard bomb to Tyree Kill, you know, that was taken back. Patty had over 100 passing yards negated because of those penalties. And so, I mean, obviously, I, I don't want to take anything away from the Raiders' defense. They did a great job bottling up Patty and forcing him to to make some hard throws. But at the same time, I think that all the holding penalties and, and things like that, I think that really took away a lot of the momentum that we could have had if, if those penalties weren't there. And also something I just took away was we just got to get Neiman out of there. At this point, I think you, you got to start Gay. I know um, Gay has been playing a lot more recently, which I'm excited for. He's got a couple solo tackles and he does look a little bit clumsy out there. And I think it's just because he's learning, he, you know, he's trying to adjust to the speed of the game and, you know, learning his assignments. You know, I'd rather have have him make mistakes and learn than having Neiman out there and just not being able to really be effective at all. According to PFF, he had an overall grade of 31.8, which is above average for him. <laughs> His average for the season is a 28.8. That is the lowest for a chief in the PFF era. I know that numbers don't tell the whole story. When they're that low, you need to reconsider your options. That's what I got from that Raiders game. You know, final thoughts. It goes back to upfront. The offensive line for the Chiefs did not play well. Not only did it feel like Mahomes, even when they were dropping, as, as as was alluded, into coverage into that zone, that three-man rush with the spy still put heat on Mahomes, not only from the passing, only 10 rushes. Hilaire was gaining about four yards a rush. If they're going to drop down into that zone, you've got to be able to run the football to make, to make them adjust so that they you know, have to account for the running game, in addition to, obviously, the penalties. But the same would be on the defensive side of the ball. There was no pass rush. As we alluded in the previous podcast, the only sack of Carr was when he ran outside the pocket and slid a yard behind the line of scrimmage. There's some high dollars up there on the front line that need you know, earning their keep. We didn't see that with the Raiders game. I think the biggest thing that I came away with is Raiders have closed the gap with the Chiefs' philosophy. Adding rug, great tight end play, adequate running game. They're using our model as much as we want to dump it on the defense. And it, and it was because the offense put out a strong game out there. Uncharacteristic, but I think it's going to be something that we're going to see from the Raiders from now on. And it looks very similar to what we do here in Kansas City with all that speed. We're going to go into segment three, all things Kansas City. Versus Buffalo, week six. All right, we're going to get started with segment three. Chiefly football, both teams with one loss as of last week. The Bills go down, really getting crushed by the Titans, while Kansas City got, we got upset by the Raiders. Both of these teams in, in these at the beginning of this season, 4-0 now, 4-1, were widely considered to go deep in the playoffs. One of these two teams is going to come away Monday with a second consecutive loss, and we'll have to be scratching their head of trying to get things turned around quickly. Dayton, let's get your thoughts as we as we start this discussion. What do you want to talk about? I just I was just thinking of of key matchups that we had. Rashad Fenton will be should be the one starting across from Rashad Breeland, especially since how he's been playing lately. I know that Tarverius Ward is, has has shown improvement last year, but. I still think that Fenton is doing quite well this season. Ward was only out there really during third down possession against the Raiders. Well, it felt like they were always targeting him. I mean, he was the one who got burned by uh, by Ruggs. Uh, and I know, obviously, I know that Ruggs is a is a speedster. So I don't. I mean, I couldn't guard him to save my life. Yeah. So for, with, when it comes to Bills, 
Uh, I know, obviously, their offense has, has been doing phenomenal this year with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs um, leading the charge. But I really, I said this last week against the Raiders, I really don't fear their offense as much. With Stephon Diggs, obviously, he's their, he's their superstar wide receiver, really stepping out of, uh, out of the shadow of Adam Thielen when he came over to, to the Bills and, and really started to tear it up. I feel like as long as we can, as long as we can shadow him and keep him pretty quiet, you know, I think John Brown is still questionable to play. Devin Singletary, he's a he's a good back, but he's not really someone that we should fear. And then Josh Allen, we just put Willie Gay on him as a as a quarterback spy, and and we're good to go, baby. Like the Bills, the Bills have been struggling defensively defensively lately. Um, I know that Taron Johnson, their slot corner, has been struggling. He's fourth to last in slot cover in the slot coverage grade. And has given up 285 yards, which is 74 more yards than anyone else. So I expect our March slot receivers to, to see a lot of action this week. Yeah, well, some of the big matchups I'm looking at, really, to me, this game is going to come down to what happens in the trenches. And I think you could say that for a lot of games. With the way that the Chiefs played against the Raiders, to me, it was the lack of pressure that they got on Derek Carr on passing downs. On the offensive side, the inability to keep Mahomes protected, especially when you're going against a quarterback like Josh Allen, who was such a, a big threat with his legs. Your defensive line really needs to bring their A game. And Josh Allen, he's played really well this year. Um, he came down a little bit against the Titans this past week, but he's dangerous with his arm and with his legs. But he is he's still working on his, on his accuracy. He had two interceptions in the last game. Uh, one did go off the receiver's hands, so I won't totally fault him for that one but he, he's still prone to make some bad decisions when he's pressured we need to make sure if we want to slow down this bill's offense I, i'm a little bit more concerned about the bill's offense than than you are staying just because the bill's offense their weapons are just as good i think as the raiders if not a little bit better their offensive line is solid and i think josh allen has is so much better than Derek carr or he poses so much more of a threat because he has such a big arm and and can move with his legs and then for our offensive side, the Bills' pass rush has has been a little more ineffective than they have been in the last couple of years. But I, I do think we're going to need to see improvement from our offensive line and improvement from Patrick Mahomes as well. A lot of people will look back at the Raiders game and, and kind of put all the blame on the offensive line. And, th- and they definitely didn't perform well. But one of the things I noticed, and it's something that Patrick Mahomes has done <laughs> off and on again throughout his career but it was it was also very noticeable in the Chargers game when the offensive line struggled but Patrick Mahomes has a tendency to drift back when they talk about the pocket that the quarterback passes from basically the furthest back the pocket goes is about 10 yards from behind the line of scrimmage and so offensive linemen when they're building their pocket they kind of have that that marked off that 10 that 10 yard mark and so they know that if they can get their offense or the defensive pass rushers past that 10 yard mark or outside of it, then that's how they form their pocket. And so when the quarterback gets to that 10 yards, he'll step up in the pocket and that, and that pocket, you know, forms around the quarterback. But Patrick Mahomes' tendency to drift back 11, 12, even 15 yards on some of his deep throws, that pocket is gone. Pass rushers, when they start keying off on that, they can take steeper angles and completely avoid the offensive linemen. And so we, t- we talk about how the Raiders or the Patriots only rushed three. But when you go and look at it, the, the defensive ends, the two, two defensive ends are actually just going one-on-one with the offensive tackles. And then it's basically three-on-one with the interior offensive line and the nose tackle. In theory, the offensive line has adequate numbers to stop the three pass rushers. 
but in reality it's three on one and then two one-on-ones i think it's going to be a combination of uh making sure that patrick mahomes is disciplined in his pocket and then just i mean the offensive line still has to has to be better in their one-on-one matchups when when those opportunities come and and i think we should expect that from from mitchell Schwartz and and eric fisher because they're really great in in pass protection yeah and like you said with with the dropbacks and everything so um, Mahomes was pressured on 23 of his 57 dropbacks, but actually he was credited for nine of those pressures. So yeah, just like you said, when he drops back so far, it, it really helps the, the defensive lineman because the, the angle that they have to take is, is so much wider that they the, the defensive lineman get to take a wider angle now. And it's a little bit easier to get past a, a tackle when um, they're only expecting their quarterback to drop back 10 yards, like you said. Yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll hear about bend as like a critical skill. In, in pass rushers, I mean, Von Miller is known for having elite bend when he's coming around the corner. It's being able to, well, to bend as you're running full speed to get around around the offensive tackle at a sharp angle. When you don't have to get around, when the quarterback is 15 yards back, there's no bend required. You just It's just a sprint um, at a slight angle towards the quarterback. And so I think we're just going to have to watch that with Mahomes. And, and Mahomes, he's done that off and on throughout his career. And I'm sure Andy Reid, and Eric Bieniemy have talked to him about that, and it's something that they're working on. And and he's always had games, you know, soon after where where he kind of fixes it. And it's just one of those habits that you kind of have to live with, I think, because he's still able to do great things when he is drifting back in the pocket like that. It's just you just have to live with the good and the bad sometimes. Yeah. So it sounds like kind of as you broke it down is if defenses are going to continue to use this game plan, which makes sense to do until the Chiefs just for that and maybe having that guard help out with the tackle on the outside as opposed to three on one or the defensive tackle. And I'm sure and obviously Andy's smart enough to know and recognize and make those change and Andy Heck and implement that. So that will be interesting to see if the Bills use that same formula how the Chiefs adjust with their team up front. And then also, as you, as you note, is Mahomes going to stay there in, in the pocket and not, not start drifting? But I think if he does, he needs to be decisive. You know, as, as he's keeping his eyes downfield and starts to drift, that allows that spy to close in as opposed to if he's just going to tuck it and run. That's the challenge, right? Lamar just tucks it and runs. Where one of the great things that people love about Mahomes is his vision and keeping his eyes downfield. Great chess match of what we're seeing as the defenses, which they always do, is adapting to you know, any anything that happens on the offensive side. And now that they've had a couple of years to do it, I think we can start to see that happening. What they're using, what they're implementing against Mahomes are the same things that we would implement against Lamar. You know, one of the things it felt like against the Raiders and Carr hit us whenever we were blitzing, we weren't getting pressure with just our four. So whenever we sent extra rushers, Carr hit. And Josh Allen this season is 36 of 55 when being blitzed with six touchdowns, zero interceptions. I believe it was like almost 82% completion rate when you factor in receivers who have dropped balls so if the chiefs are going to get pressure front they're going to have to do it without blitzing at least so far Allen is has made him pay kenlock so do you have any injury updates for us did until my computer died so we're going to scratch that out but you know as as we were talking about the chiefs and although there's not going to be a whole lot that can be done with his signing here today playing on monday 
But we haven't even discussed the factor of Le'Veon Bell and what he's going to bring to this offense. I, w- I would be surprised if we saw him in anything more than a, a limited capacity on, on Monday. Honestly, I'm still kind of processing this move. I haven't seen the, the contract. I'm assuming it's pretty low. <laughs> Last this- report that I saw, this was coming from Marcus, was a one-year deal, $3 million, 2.5 of it guaranteed. And to note, okay. those who are following us on our Facebook page, Chiefly Football, will have seen that Marcus broke this signing an hour before Adam Schefter did. There's, there's Big time. He's, plug, he's with, plugged in. With it. He has plugged in. Be sure to, if, if you're not part of the Chiefly Football Facebook page, please jump onto that and comment and be a part of what we're putting together. And we really want to hear what you all have to say as we share our thoughts. We definitely want to hear your opinions and takes. Yeah, I mean, we're just a bunch of guys who love talking about the Chiefs and about the NFL. and. The more guys we can we can talk to the Chiefs and about the NFL just makes this so much more fun. Kenlock, do you have an injury update regarding the Chiefs' bills for Monday? Well, David, I did, and then my computer died. And it's and still that's dead? Still a problem. <laughs> well, but yet your headphones well, Dave, and speaker still works? <laughs> well, unfortunately, my Dodge Grand Caravan Studio doesn't have a charger for my computer. Uh <laughs> As so. <laughs> said, father of three. <laughs> Living in a van yes. down by the river. All right, Staten's got the yeah. report for us. Staten, what have you got? On the Chiefs side, I'm sorry if I miss anything, but this this is everything I can find. On the Chiefs side, we have Anthony Hitchens out, uh, questionable with an illness. Sammy Watkins, obviously doubtful with the hamstring injury. We just can't keep him healthy. And then Anthony Sherman tested positive, I think it was uh, Tuesday for, for COVID. So he's currently on IR. For the Bills, um, Dawson Knox, their tight end. Obviously got hurt last last week with the calf, so he's questionable. Tredavious White still not practicing with his back; uh, he's questionable. So that's kind of a, that's a key injury. Matt Milano with his his pectoral questionable. John Brown his knee questionable. Isaiah Hodgins with his shoulder; um, he's actually on IR. And then Zach Moss um, returning to practice, but they still have him as questionable with turf toe. So I mean, they have some key some key players out obviously john brown wide receiver zach moss is their rookie running back that they just drafted matt milano and Tredavious white on their defense let's just hope that everyone continues to stay healthy with with covid going around so we can keep having games uh, actually i do enjoy having all these games on monday though i will say <laughs> let's kind of wrap up this final segment and we'll just kind of go around get your prediction and how you think the game is going to unfold so let's start with staten Okay, so I, I know that I was talking about how I'm not really afraid of the Bills' offense, and I guess this is the luxury of having the confidence that I have in Patrick Mahomes because I still have them putting up 27 points against us. Yeah, so I think the final will be 27-34. I, I, I really am excited for this game. I think it's going to be a great battle between two great quarterbacks. Obviously, Mahomes is on another level, but, I mean, Josh Allen's been playing incredible this year, so I'm pretty excited for this game. So, yep, I think final score will be 27-34 Chiefs. I'm with you. I I have it. 30-27 in favor of the Chiefs. I see this game being being slow to start with both offenses trying to trying to find a rhythm um, against two defenses that are going to come ready to play. I expect a, a big time shootout in the second in the second half once offenses are able to adjust. I think this game is going to be really fun to watch. Obviously, there's playoff implications with this game. I'm going to pick the Chiefs 35 to 30. Well, I think the Chiefs have a a big opportunity here because the Bills. Just like the Chiefs last week, their offense was just crushed by the mistakes that they made. <laughs> I saw this stat; I thought it was crazy for the Bills. 
They gave up 28 points on four drives, and on those four drives, the Titans moved the ball 76 yards. So the Titans had touchdown drives of 12 yards, 16 yards, 18 yards, and 30 yards. Yeah, one of them was that's, two plays. <laughs> yeah, that's but that's that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the, the spot that they put their defense in because of two interceptions and some big special teams plays. I mean, you know, that's what be, that's how the Bills lost that game. And I think the Chiefs, it just comes down to executing better than, than the Bills this week. So I'm excited to see the defense. I, I hope they're able to, to take that step like you mentioned. Let's get ready. Chiefs, Bills, Monday night. If you haven't, be sure again, check out our Facebook page, join our group, participate, leave us your comments. We'd love to to hear from you. Signing off until next Tuesday's victory discussion. Thanks for joining us on Chiefly Football.